Zoom, thank God, is a brand, but whenever anyone talks about Google Meet, we have these like USB microphones, but everyone is like, hey, is something wrong with the Meet box? And I, I, it just sounds awful every time someone says. I say rich what do you say paul podcasts are funny because actually they're, they're just meetings they're just meetings that people record that's not not the most not cool right in the world. No. no it's not cool but let's let's be transparent and honest a podcast is a kind of meeting it is a kind of meeting if the person isn't alone which i guess if they're alone it's an audio book they think, I don't yeah, know. <laughs> or, or a bizarre monologue. That's always my fantasy is that, you know, like it's good that I have to be with other people when I record audio. Because I think if it was just me, I'd be like, you know, I would just make things up. It'd be like, I'd do an entire episode as if I was a squirrel. Right? <laughs> just that would be. <laughs> you know, it's funny though for me when I feel very strongly about something. No one else should bother being in the room. <laughs> like my piece is <laughs> my piece is gonna come out anyway. We just had a meeting. It was beautiful. So first of all, I joined like seven minutes late. Rich had clearly been talking straight for seven minutes. <laughs> it's true. Finally, after about three or four more minutes, you went, Do we have a plan for that? And the person, <laughs> the the person on the other end went, Yes. And it was beautiful. I had to give it to him. It was just like such. Yeah, it was killer the, move. It's the ultimate move, right? The yeah. ultimate move yeah, is yeah, yeah. yes. Thank you for your time here. You know, is your throat clear? Because maybe we could move forward. It just keeps it moving. Like it's. I think the the power dynamics in an organization and in a meeting are real. Yeah, but they don't have to be treated as serious and sacred. You can also kind of call them out and make fun of them as you go along your day. I, I think you're touching on something here, which what is implied in the meeting, capital M, is some level of ritual, some level of decorum, because it's a meeting. I've sometimes walked into a meeting chewing and said, have you had these coconut chocolate covered coconut morsels? They are something else. And everyone looks at me like I have completely lost my mind. And what I'm trying to do is inject a little bit of like just normal life into the meeting. This is actually something that people miss about you, which is that you bring the Bay Ridge out when you want to shake things up. Okay. This is a globally recognized podcast, Paul. So take a minute and tell people what bringing the Bay Ridge out even means. Richard doesn't actually communicate this outward about himself, but like you're a person with relatively sophisticated tastes. You're a lawyer. You're a very thoughtful person. You read a lot. You're very engaged with the larger intellectual world, right? Like museums and, and so on and so forth. PBS. Yeah, for real, right? Like there's 90% of the time I'll be like, have you ever heard about this documentary? And you'll be like, yeah, I saw that like five years ago. <laughs> that is not something that I think a guy who grew up in Bay Ridge, who's Lebanese, really communicates outwardly a lot, right? Like, a, you know, my, my dad taught English. Like I'm like, oh, well, your poetry is wonderful. And, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, cool, careful. So what happens is you're actually really thoughtful and, and really sort of, in, you know, you're very there in the meeting and so is everybody else because it's 2021. But when you want to shake it up, you actually return to, you know, what street did you grow up on? Like 86th Street? 87th Street in Bay Ridge. 
right next to a lovely little establishment called the Kettle Black. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, anyone who's seen Saturday Night Fever has literally seen Rich's neighborhood. Like that, yes. how people yes, talk. Yes, how, yes. And look, I love this part of working with you because that that's there. Along, the guy who likes to go to the Met with his kids and take in the art is right there along with the guy from 86th Street who cut meat in a bodega. Yeah. So you bring that guy out. He comes in and he's chewing and he's a little loud. And everyone like kind of was like, what is happening here? What is yeah. this? And it, it just throws them off. It's it's a moment of joy for me. It's actually because it's a little bit of performance, but it's also who you are and it's fun. I got to say the pandemic and remote meetings. I mean, plenty has been talked about with Zoom and plenty of what has been talked about, you know, Zoom calls and Zoom fatigue and, and all the stuff that's associated with it. But for me, as someone who really believes in the twists and turns that come with collaborating and the spontaneity that comes with the conversation, it's been really missed. And, and I guess what I mean is this, when you compartmentalize all the interactions into essentially subject lines that have been assigned to half hour increments, Project X update is 9 to 9.30. I can't come in there and talk about the latest season of Handmaid's Tale in that meeting. That's not what we're there for. And what this is speaking to, I think it's, I think it's Bay Ridge. I think it's, it's what I miss as someone who is a, a highly interactive type of manager that likes the dialogue, that likes the spontaneity of the dialogue. And I feel I felt very boxed in. Boxed in is such a, I mean, look at that as a title of the podcast, colon, boxed in, colon. Here's another observation, Paul. I, I, and tell me if you feel this too, because you sit, you know, very close to where I sit, which is I'm so tired of getting presented to in this very tightly scripted setting. And it's, it's the case, but look, I'm, I'm a senior leader at Postlight. I'm a co-founder of a company. This is your shot, man. It's like we're redoing, uh, what do you call it when like a show comes back on Broadway? A it's revival. a revival of yeah. Annie and we're recruiting, it's the casting call for the orphan. And you've got 30 minutes to like, the sun will come out. I don't <laughs> want that. I don't, I don't want it. And look, this is sounding really negative, but you, you got to understand no, 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 where no, I'm I, sitting. I can't. It's been formalized in such an in such a way that normal dialogue is dead. I can explain this. So, yeah, so first of all, I think most people are gonna gonna say, well, look, that's a natural artifact of growth. You used to be twenty people, and you had you know kind of everybody was friends. You went out and drank, you had good conversations, and everybody was a peer. And now, post lights almost a hundred people, and it's hierarchical, and on and on and on. And so, there's more structure and more things like that. I think there's some truth in that, obviously. And, and so, like, of course, you're going to get presented to. And of course, you're going to get people are going to perceive the difference between where they are in the organization and where you are and try to meet you. Right. Like they keep trying to meet you. And, and here is where I think things are really complicated in any organization. I think remote work has made this more complicated. So. The disciplines inside of a company are a very fo they're focused. They have clear metrics. They have reliable deliverables. I can say wireframes to anybody in design, engineering, or product, and everybody knows exactly what it means, who's capable of doing them, where they go, what tools you use. There can be an active conversation about how to make them most useful, but like 
that is a thing that we understand how to make. And people think about that thing and they think about how long it takes and what it's going to, we literally extrapolate from wireframes, front end components, so on and so forth into time that it's going to take to get a project done. And then we put a money value on that and we ask our clients to give us that money in exchange for the work. So that is the absolute DNA of a services firm. As we have grown, that's almost the platform of the company. It's almost the API. And like, I think in a really good way, saying we take it for granted is can sound really reductive. In a really good way, we take that for granted. We know that the firm can do that work really, really well. But what's tricky is if somebody's in the disciplines, they feel that they want to advocate and communicate the discipline, right? That's their base of operations. You and I, and I've been feeling this really profoundly lately, my base of operations was always, you know, like, Yes, I'm a writer and communicator, but the things I write and communicate about tend to be technology, engineering, and the change that those things bring. And so I, I keep my programming skills up just to kind of know what's going on. I feel that as we've gotten to a certain scale, it's more and more of a platform, what Postlight can do and what Postlight can build. We're building more and more products on top of that platform. And there's just a natural tension and distance that comes in. Like it feels like I'm working more and more with Postlight as an abstract thing because I can't, I can't go too deep anymore. And less and less with Postlight as like this, oh, I'm going to dive in on engineering and, and figure out what's going on over there, right? That is a big gap between what we do all day, which looks to a lot of people like talking and running our mouths and asking for things that don't have anything to do with the work they actually need to get done. Yeah. That's a natural perception from the point of view of the discipline. Why do you mm -hmm. need that? We're doing wireframes. So I think that that gap is hard to close up. It's a product of growth, right? It is. And I've been on the other side. I was on the other side until five years ago. Until five years ago, I was the person presenting to the leader. I think for the first few years of Postlight, I think we were highly, we were a collaborative place, much more so. And we still are because our model still deploys teams that collaborate very, very tightly. I think what you and I are missing. Well, we made a choice to move away from being purely about the disciplines. Our, our slogan used to be design, build, ship, right? And, and now we are your, your partner. We identify your, the partner for your next big leap, your next big thing. Those are actually two really culturally different things. And I mean, look, if you're listening to this at home, you're going, yeah, whatever. Thanks for your motto, A plus postlight. I don't care. <laughs> like, I get that. But when you're inside of the org, these are really profound differences. No, and, and I think we're feeling it more than others, right? Um, because I think we've created a place. We do have a product pod style model. We deploy teams to projects. Those teams work it's a beautiful thing. I, I'm envious, to be frank, because when teams work and collaborate together and if they enjoy working together, it's a really fun thing. It's just you're solving problems together. I do think that being remote and everyone being remote has made it probably a little less fun. And But what it's done is this. And this is, I think, where I want to shine a light for a second. What it's done is this, is what happens is collaboration has been rather than it be a continuous cycle of communication, it has taken on a hole up, do some things, and then present dynamic that sets a very different collaborative setting, right? Which is, let's meet in three days. Go do that. Let's meet in three days. You show me what you did, and I will react to what you did, right? This is actually not about Remote versus not remote. It is about the process that people use to communicate and make things collaboratively. But 
remote tools make a batch model of interaction much more easy and much more efficient than a highly like high bandwidth back and forth constant conversation model of communication. It's exhausting to talk on Zoom and Slack all day. It's actually really easy to sit in a room with you, do about two hours of work together and then kind of wander around, get coffee, you know, go get lunch and talk about yeah. it, work on some other stuff and then come back, maybe even take the train home at the end of the day and finish up our thoughts. And then, and that rhythm isn't impossible with remote work, but the tools don't support it. The tools don't, so I think they support a lot of things. I think they support a lot of things that are, you know, more basic commodity outputs from people. I think remote works just, hey, let's run through the backlog, find right. an hour. Oh, it's it's great for tickets. But it's I think when you're trying to collectively solve something, it's hard to collect, to do it in a way. And again, look, you've got one shot to be cast in Annie. This is it. You can't come walking through the halls again and just humming the, the, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow whenever you want. And maybe I'll notice you next week. You've got one moment. And so this pressure. Let me, and also wait, just pause for one second because people need to understand this is not two people, two co-founders running their mouths about how everyone should be in the office. We have our heads of design and engineering, two of the most critical people in the organization, are located in two completely different states. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're very good at their jobs. We're very glad they have them. They do a beautiful job building a collaborative mm -hmm. environment. This is not us going like everyone needs to be back in the office. It's us trying to figure out where things break down to do the really hard work. Or to find the breakthroughs. Sometimes it isn't hard work as in like solve the problem, but how do we take it from like just checking the boxes to something really great? Can something really great come together when four people are on a video call? Let me actually break this down in terms that I think are, are going to, you'll find this interesting. Here's why you're not motivated by remote work. It's because you are a fast reactive thinker who likes to directly engage and get feedback. I am not. I like documents. I like to go think and come back about three days later. Remote work doesn't bug me anywhere near as much. And in fact, when I was a journalist, it's all remote work. Send them a manuscript. Five days later, the editor sends you their feedback. You send them another revision, etc. No one would argue that like magazine writing isn't a creative, interactive act. Mm. But let me be clear. I don't get as much out of myself if I'm not working closely with you in a tightly reactive, you pushing on me, keeping me on my feet is really, really productive for me. It gets me to think in new ways. If I could have my druthers, I would say, Rich, why don't you take all of your thoughts and organize them in a bullet pointed document of about eight pages, because then I will really be able to internalize them. And it, it, you won't repeat the same five same thing five times to me until I want to smack you in the head. Like all those dynamics go away and it'd be much more emotionally convenient. And then I don't have to, I don't have to react in the minute. So that's a beautiful out for me, but the output won't be as good. I know that if I'm not in the room with you, if you aren't actually pushing, I won't come up with the shit I come up with. Okay. And that is just flat out. I know this about myself. I'd rather be at home with a little pen writing notes on my e-paper but I also know that that is the way for me to kind of drift away. I personally need both because if I don't get the stimulus and the pushback. Right. To set you off in a particular direction. That's right. I want it's, it speeds everything up dramatically. And I, I think what's hard for people to understand is like, you know, this is your role. 
everyone sort of created an ideology around remote work and, you know, companies should or shouldn't and so on. You know that your job is to turn the wheel and move things forward and that if you get people in a room, you can do that more efficiently. And you're as just your instinct and you're going to do it. For me, I'm like, great. That is a power tool that keeps me from sitting at home looking at the same document 500 times. <laughs> right. But, you know, it's a, right. a hard sell in 2021, which is like, I need you all to be slightly agitated and shook up. So that we can get to the next thing. Don't take it personally. We're having this discussion as usual in society, actually not at Postlight. I think we're having a very sort of healthy, normal discussion about the return to the office. And it feels like the stress is lower than it used to be. But as a society, it's like no one's got clear strategies here. And, you know, it's all very confusing. It is. And and, and I think it's still... I think people's sentiments are still shifting as we come out of this. It's a long pandemic. It's a long pandemic, Uh right? I'm going to ask you two questions. What's your favorite? I mean, there are different types of meetings. There's the weekly check-in. There's the daily stand-up. There's the like present to the client slash or quote unquote client. Like here's our performance for the month. What do you think is the best kind of meeting? I I have a couple. So the first off, I love a good three-day grind-it-out summit. Absolute hellscape for everybody else. But I like <laughs> oh, okay. Clear your calendar. We're going to think big thoughts together. There's an aspect to it, too, which is just like after hour six on day two, when you start to separate the strong from the weak. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> That's, that is when I find that reserve of strength. And I'm like, let's oh, return no. to how we're going to do the data model. You know, just yeah. like just, Can I I'm your worst nightmare. bullet eight from yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like to me, the, the endurance test meeting is really special because I, I will say you get through a zone of pain. You've had a shared experience with a group of people. And now you're on the other side of that. And frankly, you get to clarity through that kind of experience. Like it actually, yeah. by the time everyone gets exhausted, they stop asserting their territorial demands because they're kind of like, by day two or three, they're like, oh God, I got to just get out of this room. And then they can start to work, work together and collaborate. So that's a horrible thing, but boy, is that good. The other one that I love is the one where I've just, I had a meeting, it was remote, but it was about a month ago. Where you take the true time to really rehearse. And when I mean rehearse, I don't mean like you run it through a couple of times, but you're going to do a demo and you're going to each of the 50, you you have something to prove. In this case, I wanted to prove that a, a specific piece of technology was going to really accelerate where this client wanted to go. It was going to get them there 10 times faster and it was going to be create a very meaningful experience for their users and would give them power and tools that they didn't really hadn't conceived of before. And it's open source technology. And I'll just sort of leave it there. So I came up with a story and I came, I used open data and I said, let me show you what happens when we take this data, put it into this tool and give it back to you. There was a thing I was supposed to present. Here's how we're going to do it. And what I did instead is I took a step back and I said, what is their mission? What are they trying to do? It's a little bit easier in this case because it was a not-for-profit, but I would do it with a for-profit org as well. And I said, what is their mission? What story can I tell them? Because I really do see that this tool is going to make life a lot easier for them, but they're not technologists. There's about 20 steps that they haven't taken yet. You can take those 20 steps by putting up bullet points, or you can say, I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to show you something. That is far more efficient. And at the end of the meeting... I had done that. They had said, good meeting. I understand what you were trying to do. 
and you did it. You know, it's not this naked manipulation or anything. I'm, I'm literally like, I want to show you this because I want you to succeed. And, and I think this is good for your mission. And what they picked up from that is Paul has internalized our mission. He takes our work very seriously. He saw a better way and he wanted to communicate that to us. Now it's their decision as to how they move forward, obviously. But they saw that commitment. And on the other side of that is a sense of just genuine work satisfaction. Like I, I did my job real good. And I think you and I don't really, we don't have jobs. So you don't get that feeling yeah. very often. We have, so just this moment of like, so those two, I blew it up and did something different. And we grounded out until there was no longer any, we were one collective human mass instead of any difference between us. The summit came meeting, the offsite, the, the yep. classic offsite. And the other is, is the telling a story. I mean, in a way, how do you get people inspired and excited? Getting out of agenda and going to story. Like an alarm goes off two thirds of the way into any of our podcasts where it's like, well, can we give people something to take away? Right. And if there's one thing to take away, it's that what you just said, how do I get you out of bullet points and drawn in to a story? Right. And, and if so you a, can do a, that, start with, start with the bullet points, have the agenda because people need to see points. the agenda. Let me throw that back to you. So you know how I would do it, which is I really think about it and I'm looking. And really, for me, it's like align with the mission and the things that they care about every day mm -hmm. and then show them. I literally was like, I'll, I'll give you a specific. There was a data set we'd been talking about. And I'm like, I don't care too much about this, but I do care about these things. So I'm going to use that data instead. Right. And just like make yourself the user. Show how how you actually believe and boy, do people listen. They perk up. You don't have to give them just what they ask for. Show them possibility. Yeah, I mean, what about you? Like, because you're, you're right, right? Like, 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 let's, getting off of the agenda, what is the best way to do it? I, I like being in a setting where the outcome is uncertain. <laughs> it's, it's... Uh, I have great news for you about climate change, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. You know, meetings that are just sort of ritual and this sort of are just part of process are fine. But when you are trying to get someone to a place and it's not clear if they're ever going to go there and your job is to get them there, that is way more interesting to me than conveying some information, right? Because well, that's the way I think progress is better than process. Progress is better. And to me, humans I like to code because it, I find it very soothing and relaxing because the, the outputs are so tidy and clear, right? And oh, yeah. It either works or it doesn't. But when you've got like four people in a room and you're trying to get them somewhere and you're just looking at body language and you're, and you're, you're letting them talk first so you can then – like I edit the script – as they're telling me where they are and what they care about, right? Yeah. And then uh, now I'm on a game. I'm in. A, I'm playing a game, right? Like there's a game where I could lose. And God, that's more interesting to me. That's I think part of my personality is part of it. But I love the idea. I mean, you called it, which is like, how do I get you? Not just I don't want to just persuade you. I want to get you somehow emotionally connecting to the most boring shit. Otherwise. Like, how do I get you yeah. interested and motivated in any other setting? If I showed you the PowerPoint, you'd be like, oh, this is dry. How am I going to get you excited? That challenge. This is the superpower of the agency, right? And I, I feel that, like, we don't talk about this enough. Being genuinely excited about stuff that everyone else finds excruciatingly boring is an yeah. actual superpower. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look that we're an agency, but I got to tell you, if you're talking to the VP of X or the VP of Y that's down the hall, it's the same challenge. The starting point is they don't really care too much about your perspective. And so how are you going to get them to care? Right. How are you going to like that is fun. That's just fun, right? Because you're, you're now selling, right? You can call it selling, even if it's inside of your own company. Taking up from, from an agenda to a story is probably some of the best advice you can give anyone who's trying to get ahead. I think, you know, I'm more often the recipient of someone trying to persuade me to do something I might not otherwise do these days. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's very true. That's, right? I mean, just kind of constantly, right? We, we all sit on both sides, right? We all sit on... We both perform and get performed to, right? And I think what the pandemic's done and remote work has done is it has really amplified that dynamic and taken a lot of oxygen away from many of the other dynamics that I think make it great to work with other people. I know the world has changed and probably won't go back to the way it was. I recognize all of it. And we've got some great leaders that are remote. But as someone that values the ad hoc sparring that can really light sparks. I miss that probably more than anything else. Let me actually frame this for people listening, right? Which is, here's what's incredibly tricky, right? So, and, and this is, if I was listening to this podcast and I was looking for career advice and I was thinking to myself, yeah, but you can do remote work just fine. So all of it's true. Everything's true. Every single thing is true, except certain kinds of communication styles and certain kinds of leaders really want to be in that room because that is how they do their craft. That is how they do their communication. That's how they do their delegation. That doesn't mean that you have to move to New York City tomorrow. None of the, like there's a tremendous sure. amount of flexibility and our organization wants that. But what is tricky is that there is this fundamental reality, which is just like, there's a thing and a skill and a set of things that you like to do. And sometimes me too. I'm more fluid about it, but ultimately me as well, where boy, it's going to be a lot easier this way. Cause, and then you get tired of the struggle. You get tired of like, I'm going to have to fit the agenda points. 20 people aren't going to be paying attention. Like I just like a good example is that summit. People needed to get on the plane or a train and they have to come in and they got to sit there for two days because you got to get off your phone. You got to, you, there can't be an escape, right? Because that's the whole point. The whole point is we acknowledge there's no escape from each other and we need to work together. That's real, right? Because I mean, let's face it, nobody's giving you your whole, their whole screen, right? When they're on that video call. I mean, when I started working out of the office again, especially the first, so I, I was early. So I'd bring up the screen. I'm alone in the office and I'm wearing shoes and, you know, reasonable jeans and a shirt. And um, I'm looking at people and I'm going to tell you two days ago, I wouldn't have noticed sitting in the office, looking at them on the screen, they look bananas. Their clothes are ripped. <laughs> they're staring 50 different directions. Slack is going off continually. If they don't look distracted, I don't feel offended. I actually feel concerned for them because their brains are obviously overwhelmed and they're not able to have normal interactions with the person who is very present and very here right Can now. I, I want to close this podcast with a habit that my wife pointed out. My mouse is being moved around and I'm clicking constantly. Constantly, constantly. Constantly. Tick, 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 and tick. I'm, but I'm not clicking on anything. Sometimes I'm clicking on, I'm no. not even, my hand is moving the mouse pointer around and I'm clicking and she's just hearing click, 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 click. And she's like, what the hell is, what are you doing? <laughs> and she asked this, Full. she asked it and there was slight concern in her voice. She's like, what are you doing? 
And I didn't know what I was doing. Full presence. And it can be remote, actually. But full presence is the most valuable asset. It's very hard to achieve when everything is blinking. I think that remote work would be really different if people could go into a little their little remote working shed and not have a computer in front of them, but and actually see a screen with you. That like, like it, that's right. It's the, the competition, and there's kind of no way to undo that because of the way that we do work digitally. That presence, man. And it's like, you're, as I'm talking to you, you are in Lebanon and it's seven hours difference. And, you know, I miss you. I miss working with you because there's a lot for us to do right now. There's a lot to do. You know what we don't have right now too is we take the train home. Like I'm a little further out in Brooklyn than you are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but we get that 20 minutes. Frankly, then you get off and I'm like, oh man, I can listen to my music now. But it's both are really valuable. Like I need, I, I get my, I get my rich conversation and then I get my Spotify. This is how we should close the podcast right here. That ride home, sometimes we take a car and share it. Sometimes we take a train. It's a non-meeting. There is no subject line for that ride home. Yeah. It is a non-meeting and you can't walk away. Your computer's put away. We rarely take out our phones. Sometimes we do, but we just talk and we talk about the day and it's agendaless and we share observations and sometimes conclusions even surface in those conversations. Oh, no, very often we have a plan and then the next day we review the plan and then we, but it's not formal like that. It's not like, hey, here's next day's plan. That free space. Can you schedule a meeting and talk about whatever? Because I actually think some of those conversations are meaningful. They're meaningful and they have a different form. It's just impossible for technology to simulate that. So you have to go out of your way to build the relationship in other ways. Mm -hmm. But that's energy and work too. It's energy and work to come into the office and be present. It's energy and work Mm -hmm. to build relationships in other directions. We're going to have a big mix of all of it going forward. I think that people keep choosing sides. Right. And it's more like, what are the applications of humans in the space right now? Like, wh- wh- how do I want to be? Paul, my co founder and dear friend, we are the founders of Postlight. Our titles are changing a little bit. We're going to talk about that in a future podcast. Yes, they are. And we will talk about that in a future podcast. Uh, but check us out, strategists, product designers, etc. I don't have to tell you. Just check out postlight.com, man. Just. The proof is in the pudding, which is a ridiculous phrase, but our pudding is high-end technology development. Maybe that's design. about like alcohol being in pudding, like that, that you poured booze and puddings back in, I don't know, I'm making Look things up. Look it up, Paul. Hello at postlight.com. We love questions. Give us podcast suggestions. Reach out. We love to talk. All right, everyone. All Have right. a lovely week and take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Bye.